1: see like a heritage breed chicken running through the grass like a velociraptor (laughs) mowing down bugs and things and the cornish are just kind of like laying on the beach like
2: oh let me get a bite of that it looks like you at the beach yeah (laughs) let me get a bite of that
1: let me zip welcome we got a really good show today we're going to talk all about meat chickens going to try to answer a lot of questions we got a lot of questions on instagram I'm going to, when we do questions, I'm going to go live on Instagram too.
2: And lots of people from all over the country joining us. Some who have chickens already, some who are looking into meat birds.
1: And uh, have the, anyone mentioned yet what their favorite breeds are, what they choose?
2: I have not seen that. I Whoa, see we'll Plymouth Rock. Mm. Someone's got dual purpose birds. There we Easter go. Easter Eggers. All right. Our son actually got some special chicks that are waiting for us at the post office right now. Yeah, so Big we can't go too long
1: week. in the show today because we actually have chicks to pick up.
2: They are blue Arakanas that he got, which is the first time. And they are, they seem to be rather like a new breed, a new color of the aracana that he's very excited about. And they are not inexpensive chicks. So we cannot <laughs> leave them waiting for us too long.
1: I was like, who ordered another batch of 200 meat birds? <laughs> nope just how many
2: there were five of those five kind of chicks things. They, they were not that much to, no no they're they're a
1: special breed and actually uh this is a good thing to do my son's targeting a niche he's got a niche product that is rare and hard to find locally and hopefully that'll work out good for him
2: yeah if any of you remember from last week our little piglet that we had in the house. Our little deformed piglet.
1: Oh, little Bart oh, they don't know his name. Oh, no,
2: we did say got it named. last week.
1: No, I don't think we did. Oh
2: well his name is Bartok. He's
1: been named,
2: which and means when, he lived. Yes. So <laughs> he is alive. He has made it a whole week and a day. No, a week and three days now. And, and I said I wouldn't have a pig in the house.
1: And you but still have a pig in the house. I have a
2: pig in the house and when he hears the microwave beep he (laughs) screams because that's how i heat up his milk to give (laughs) to him so he is triggered now by the microwave (laughs) when he hears me up in the morning he screams because he doesn't uh believe that a little pig should live in a cage in the house
1: no he thinks he should be loose in the house he believes
2: he is a human who should be with his people at all times even though He roots constantly and has teeny tiny little needle teeth that he likes to explore people's toes with. I have a pig in the house.
1: Yes, you absolutely do. And I still
2: have a pig in the house, and he's doing great. He's got his little nose deformity. He learned to drink from a pan, so I don't have to do syringe or bottle feeding, which is dangerous for pigs. He does great with his little pie pan, and the cat... I think really enjoys having a pig in the house because he gets to drink all the pig's milk. <laughs> Our cat will stick his little paw through the piglet's cage and dip it in his milk and then lick it. <laughs> <So> we <laughs> were
1: watching the other day. The two of them were running around the house. It was playing out like a scene from a, you know, the planet National Earth.
2: Geographic film.
1: Yeah, we had this giant you know this jelly stalking its prey he was stalking behind what could be like a warthog at a yes. watering hole and the cat was like under the, and then he like would pounce and grab him and he wouldn't claw him or nothing he was just like playing with him like he does with uh, his toys, yes, which and then the piggy does would involve claws. And run.
2: <laughs> so we watch them when they're not unsupervised together. No,
1: no, the cat probably wishes they were, but they're it, quite. It reminded me of a
2: scene from Lion King, you know, where she's stalking Pumbaa the warthog, yeah. and then she goes. And that's that's what it looks like. Yeah, it was. It was. Pretty the cat's got to realize like this pig being in there's a good thing because piglet drips milk everywhere. His <laughs> little paws, you find a little milk trail, and the cat just comes along like looking up. It's goat's milk. Goat's milk with uh, Greek yogurt in it.
1: Oh, yum! That yeah, delicious.
2: yeah, and the cat thinks so too. <laughs> meat chickens. Yeah.
1: Yep, meat chickens.
2: Because lots of people are are going to do butchering for the first time next weekend, Nedra Ooh. said. So look look forward to this today. So hopefully we give you a good boost.
1: We're gonna try to go over everything today. Uh, cover all the things you want to think about when you're getting into meat chickens. This is like a high level overview of everything. We have videos for every step of this process, videos for brooding. We did a series just this year with the brooding and with going on the chicken tractors and all that stuff. So you can see more detail there, but we just wanted to in a podcast because now we're doing the podcast again. And I know there's people listening who would like to know, what do I need all from start to end? And we're going to try to cover that all in a podcast. So we better dive right in so we don't miss anything.
2: Yeah, because there's a lot. I'm looking at this outline, and it is extensive. First
1: thing you said when you walked in today was, this is a big outline.
2: Yeah, this is exciting.
1: You decided, I've watched Austin K. for years doing the chicken thing. I want in. But all I've done in the past is egg-laying chickens. Or even better, I've never done any livestock. I actually think raising meat chickens is a great entry to livestock because you can do it with very minimal infrastructure and it's super temporary.
2: They're very affordable to get started. Just what other animal can you get for a couple dollars either at your local tractor supply or sent to your local post office? Yeah,
1: like we just did this morning.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you can't even get, well, it's harder to get rabbits. They're gonna be more expensive. Don't want to ship a calf to your local post office. And
1: if you've never had livestock before, egg-laying chickens is a long investment to find out you don't really like caring for livestock, pigs, sheep. Forget about cows, goats.
2: Meat birds, it's two months. Yeah, if you go with the breed,
1: we we go with. You're in real, real fast. So
2: 12 weeks for a slower growing but still nice growing meat bird.
1: And I think it's just a great way to try out livestock. For us, it was one of the earliest things we did. We had egg-laying chickens first. So we knew we were into the chicken thing. It was our first step into raising our own meat, which now we raise all our own meat or we hunt off the property. Uh, But before that, this was the first way we put meat on the table besides hunting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Because they were done, the chickens, we had pigs at the same time, but the chickens were done first.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Do we do them both in the same year?
2: I think we do both in the same year. We're crazy. Sounds like us.
1: We're crazy. Oh, man. What breed should you pick for meat chickens?
2: You'll see us going back and forth on this, (laughs) because if you were here last week, you saw the issue we had with our Cornish cross this year. We know why that happened, so we can prevent that. It's the first time it ever happened to us because of a cold snap we had. They were poor, poor doing, and they ended up dying unexpectedly, a lot of them. But when it came to butcher day, we had some older roosters to butcher, which we did first. And I haven't helped butcher in years because of babies. This is the first year I've helped, and I was cutting those feet, those legs off those roosters, and I thought, I can we have 50 more of these birds to do. I can't do this many chickens one day. they were so hard to butcher to I ended up popping intestines for every yum. <laughs> yum yeah. yeah. for every we every start with the, rooster. The I know birds. I'm just as an example, they were very different difficult to butcher these roosters we have two viewers now (laughs) (laughs) now by chicken number six i was switched to the cornish cross and cutting through bones cutting off wings gutting was so much easier with the cornish they're young so the bones are must be softer bones yeah or joints they were much easier to butcher they're easier to pluck if you've ever tried to pluck a year or two old hen or rooster that's really hard, the Cornish are much easier. They are a more delicate bird to grow. So you're kind of accepting that when you want fast growth, easier to butcher. If you want a chicken that's ready to butcher at eight weeks, you know they're going to be a little bit more delicate as far as raising.
1: Yeah, so this is the give and the take. There, There's no perfect livestock for any situation, everything has pros and cons, and we always talk about pros and cons. The Cornish cross is a beautiful product on your table. It's a beautiful, very easy product to create on Butcher Day, or I shouldn't say create, but you know, to to have on Butcher Day. Uh, when it comes to table fare, Butcher Day, that Cornish cross reigns supreme.
2: Yeah, for feeding a, a family now. A heritage breed chicken will be a a beautiful stock, nice, fatty, yellow stock that you'll get. But as far as meat, if you want what you're used to getting from the supermarket, which is tender, not chewy and tough, with a a roasted chicken, a Cornish Cross is is what you'll be the most pleased with, I think, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, as a beginner, getting into, this is where we're going to confuse some people. Well, uh, yeah, as a there's beginner, no perfect choice. No, the Cornish Cross, there's a lot less room for error. As Kay already talked about, we had these issues this year with uh, the different, uh, the cold snap. We wind up losing to some to a cold snap. You can just as easily lose Cornish crosses to a heat snap. They yes. get overheated. They're a more fragile bird. I know, uh, I believe, I haven't interviewed John Siskovich in a while about chickens, but I think the last time we talked, he told me... He often tells people to start with the rangers because they're kind of the in-between bird.
2: They're still fast growing. Yeah, but they're not quite as delicate. We did a batch of rangers, or two or three, we did.
1: Yeah, and actually, we have we haven't done them in a while, but we did them back in Connecticut. We raised them side by side. This here is a Cornish cross. It's a big, meaty bird. They grow really, really large breasts, which most of us are used to eating chicken with large breasts. They grow in 8 weeks these birds finish. They're really incredible. But you can't raise your own. You have to buy them from a hatchery. So some people don't like buying from hatcheries. They want to have a more sustainable answer. Uh, we don't mind buying from hatcheries for our meat birds. We do have our own egg layers. If we were ever not able to get hatchery birds we could harvest our own egg laying uh, dual purpose birds. Uh, but just to put a bunch of meat in the freezer and to have some to sell our customers like this breed uh, so we do like the Cornish. Some people though have the goal of being more self-sufficient and sustainable and they don't want to raise chickens that they get from a hatchery and so some people decide to go with a dual-purpose chicken that they can raise and breed themselves on their own homestead. That's another option. A third option which you'll see a little bit further behind me is kind of the hybrid between the commercial and the heritage breed, and that's the rangers. You'll hear about red rangers, there's rainbow rangers, there's all types of rangers. These chickens are advertised as better growers than heritage breed and better foragers than the Cornish cross. This here is a rainbow ranger. Very similar to a red ranger. Any of the rangers are gonna be pretty similar, pretty straightforward. You'll notice less breast meat than the Cornish but still a really good sized chicken. If you compare that to an egg layer of the same age, we have some over there. Uh, The egg layers are just much, much smaller. They're commercial breeds. These usually finish not in 12, not in eight weeks, like the Cornish, but somewhere around 12 weeks, which is the age of these birds. They're gonna be just about 12 weeks old here. So this is a finished bird. It's not the largest of the bunch, uh, but it is a nice sized chicken and it will make for good eating. Oh, sorry. Touchy subject.
3: Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit boattrader.com to get started. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: So that way you at least get a visual. You can see we got those birds at the same time.
2: The, the comparison, because that was not a large ranger. You can see behind yeah. you in that video the bigger roosters. That looked like a henbird. Maybe. The roosters behind you were bigger, more the size of a cornish. And doing them side by side, I think our feed rate was comparable.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we were pretty much doing what we were doing to both of them.
2: They the, the red rangers grow a little, or rangers whatever, you know, variant you get from whichever hatchery. They are, take four weeks longer, but very similar in that they'll park themselves next to a feeder and they'll stay there. The coroner shall walk. The rangers would walk. They were very similar birds.
1: Yeah. The, the, the rangers are loss, a little bit more lively. They don't have quite as much dead weight to them.
2: As far as Mortality, it was the same that year for us. Rangers versus yeah. Cornish. Yeah.
1: Um, now we didn't that year have anything crazy happen.
2: Right. There was no weird freeze or weird heat wave. That that will change your numbers with the Cornish. As yeah. We've they from are this the year. most
1: susceptible to problems. So so not as nice table product on the Ranger, but still good. Yeah. Uh, we enjoyed the Rangers that we were able to eat later. We enjoyed the Cornish. The Cornish are the best, in our opinion, table fair when it comes to just getting a big roaster bird. But the rangers are still nice. They grow quicker than your heritage breeds. And then finally, like Kay talked about at the beginning, when it comes to table fare, your heritage birds, less qu- good quality unless you're looking for chicken pot pie.
2: Yeah, or like some... Some other more ethnic dishes, right? Yeah, we would have a friend who would raise roosters for the large Spanish population around them. So if that's what you want to do, that makes a delicious chicken and rice or something yeah. like that. It's like a stew kind of. Bird. The chicken
1: stock you make from a heritage bird has the difference. It's in-
2: delicious. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't compare to the Cornish. The from the heritage is so much richer.
1: Partially because the heritage is going to be older. Yeah, Yeah, it takes a lot longer. So that's something else to consider. you got to care for birds a lot longer. So if you're not sure you're going to do this long term, you just want to give it a shot, can't go wrong with the Cornish.
2: Don't be afraid of the Cornish. Yeah. There are people who are really, really opposed to them. It's a matter of personal opinion, but we haven't had... A lot of issues with them, other than this year. So the last two <laughs> last year. years.
1: The last two years, we've had incredibly bad issues. The one was the feed issue, so that was on us. This year was the cold snap. But but if you're just raising 10 and you're very, very careful, you, they're maybe inside your house when they're brooding. You can brood 10 inside your house, which, speaking of which, we should get into brooding next. The point is, don't be afraid of the Cornish. They're a good yeah, don't be starting afraid of them. spot.
2: Um, starting with 10 is a good idea. I think that's what we started with at first.
1: Yeah, when you're trying to pick how many, we, we're like, hey, we raised enough chicken to feed our family for the year. Don't do that.
2: Don't do that.
1: That's a really. That's idea. not
2: what we did first.
1: Yeah, we didn't. We started with just 10. Because we
2: had never butchered a chicken before. We didn't know what it was going to be like, and we were doing everything by hand, which 10 chickens in one day is enough.
1: Yeah, the first time you're butchering chickens, 10 going to take you a long time. So don't get more than 10 if you've never done it before. Plus, caring for them, making mistakes. The less you have, the less problem, the less loss you will face if you do something really wrong. So don't go buying 100 chickens your first time.
2: No. The meat birds, even a smaller batch, will outgrow their brooding area quickly. Yeah. So be prepared if they are inside more than a because they're eating so much more they're programmed to eat doesn't matter if it's a ranger or a cornish that's what they're bred to do to eat and grow so they're going to be pooping a lot more so they're going to be smelling bad quickly
1: now once you get through your first year and then you want to raise enough for your family maybe some of you have already done a batch of 10 and now you're wondering how many chickens do we raise or how many should you raise to feed your family for the year This is really, really simple. You just figure out how many meals a week do you like to have chicken for? Uh, How many chickens do you go through? So we... And and
2: maybe that's hard for you to figure out because you're buying chicken breasts from the store. That's how a lot of us buy chicken. We just get a pack of breasts from the store, a pack of thighs from the store. So think in the, the way of whole chickens come with those two breasts, two thighs, two legs, how... How much of that will your family eat every week?
1: So give, for those who've never done it, what do we go through in a week?
2: I'll, I'll go through one whole chicken a week because I'll make everything into a, a meal. So thighs and legs I'll make into a meal for everybody. And this is right now when the kids don't eat quite as much as I'm sure they will someday. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, we the, don't yet
1: have a house full of teenage te- boys. No, not
2: yet. So we'll probably go through coming. more It's <laughs> coming. Yikes. And then I'll you going to make
1: them raise their own animal for food. <laughs> you get to eat what you raised.
2: <laughs> and they leave us. The breast I'll cut off and make a separate meal of that and then use the carcass for a stock, a soup of some kind. So we go through about one a week.
1: So 50 for the year, but don't order just 50 because, again... You can expect to have some problems. Yeah, so 75. Yeah, minimum mortality rate of 10% is what we've talked about in the past, expecting, especially on a larger batch of chickens. So you'd want to order 55. You also will find the more birds you order, the less they cost you, which is how you get into trouble.
2: Yes, there was that year where Austin kept showing up to tractor supply for feed.
1: I was addicted.
2: And and they because he was, I don't know. Like, it was
1: our first year, and I was just so excited. You kept seeing excited.
2: Cornish, and you kept buying, you kept bringing home more chicks. I was like, stop it. <laughs> so Tractor Supply, will have them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can pick them up at Tractor Supply or, or order them online. feed store. Uh, so we, nowadays, will order 100 for our family for the year, with the idea that we'll probably wind up losing some.
2: And... Honestly, that's a little much for us. I feel like we shouldn't do 100 next year. Well,
1: we've been doing this also because we've been using helpers on butcher day. And we like to be able to give our helpers... Right,
2: some chicken. Chicken
1: to go home. So if you figure order 100, we need 50 bare bones. We could go through 60 or more in a year. Uh, 10 lost to just mortality. So from 100, we're down to 90. We go through 65 of those.
2: Yeah, then if we want to give... Family members some yeah plus help
1: give help and family members some at that point you know we have a couple extra chickens in the freezer if you know we have a bad spring the following year like we did this year so that's the best way to figure out how many you should order to feed your family and then like Kay said you can get them at Tractor Supply on Chick Days they'll be there you can pick them up that's really nice because they've already come through the mail yeah they've had their die offs
2: yeah
1: you're getting healthy chicks that are ready to go home. You're getting more. Uh, there's more assurance that they'll be good, healthy chicks. If you can't, if you want to get heritage breeds, you can get them locally. You can order them through a magazine.
2: There, there are even if if you don't want to work through Tractor Supply, there are other smaller local companies who will get in large shipments of Cornish, and we worked with some of them, and that went really yeah. well as well. I think you
1: local the, feed mill, right? Local,
2: yeah, kind of. They were like a this company who ordered in tons of Cornish and for local farms around would supply them.
1: Yeah. That was really, really cool. And here's an idea for any of you kind of go get homesteaders out there. If you don't have anybody near you who does order chicks and you want to save a little money, why not find other homesteaders around you? Facebook, you know, Instagram, the feed store, if there is one and say, Hey, I'm going to order some. We used to do this with friends. We'd say we're already ordering a hundred. We get them at a discount. Do you want to order a bunch? The more you can order, for one, the, the warmer they stay. So they stay healthier, generally speaking. And you're going to save more and more money each time.
2: So <laughs> It's called enabling. <laughs> and uh, then I know chick I... Chick pushers? I, chick pushers. I jumped ahead on the brooding.
1: Let's get into brooding. We haven't yeah. talked about brooding yet. So brooding. Brooding. That was a smooth transition. Like I said,
2: <laughs> you can start them in the house, but you will want to get them outside within a week or two
1: outside of your house outside of the
2: house if if you have a setup that is warm enough for them because they do start to smell they
1: start to smell so especially like the cornish crosses they get real stinky if you start them in your house they're gonna be funky smelling soon so yeah you'll be
2: changing them maybe twice a day
1: yeah it's real bad so best place to brood outside of your basement or your garage if you have a barn a barn's a good option if you have a little shed.
2: Yeah, just don't get them in March.
1: Definitely don't get them when March, it's too April. cold. Yep.
2: So it is better to get them in a more predictably warm time of year unless you can keep your temperature as warm as they need it.
1: You're gonna need electricity wherever you're taking them. You're going to need water close by. So think about that wherever you're bringing them. Make sure you can have, cause you're gonna need to plug in heat lamps. Day one when your chicks arrive, they need to be 90 degrees. So, and then from that point on, they get a little bit cooler every couple days, but they do need the warmth of those heat lamps. And those heat lamps, you're going to probably need to be able to run, depending on how many you get, maybe two or three heat lamps. Uh, Inside the brooding area, you can see we have feeders, we have water access. It
2: is also important to have... An area to move your chicks when you need to clean. Yeah. So either some other vessel to put them into or an area where you can corner them off to clean. They will require more cleaning than your average.
1: And you notice they're all standing on sh- wood shavings. Yeah. So they're pooping, they're peeing. You're going to want to make sure they have wood shavings under them. Shavings are the best thing you can do.
2: They, they sit more than a, a heritage breed. So you want to keep it clean. So their feathers stay as clean as you can keep them.
1: Yeah. And as you watch those little video clips, if you're watching along, if you're listening on the podcast, once in a while, tune into the live stream because you do miss a few things. We have a lot of visuals. If you're wondering about the different waters we use and the different feeders and the setup changing over time, we have lots of good videos on the YouTube channel just specifically about week number two, week number three. Right. We have Starting a whole with play a bell list. water, then graduating
2: yeah. to a nipple water. So, we're not
1: going to get into that today, but basically, we start with bell waterers, we graduate to nipple waterers, and if you want to know why drinking and how. Cups. And then we go to the drinking cups. And if you want to know the details to that, check out the YouTube channel because we got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to cover.
2: Now, once they are feathered, they can move outside or start going outside more.
1: What are you going to put them in? Are you going to go the chicken tractor route? Or are you going to go the chicken coop route?
2: Which one of those is wrong? Which selection <laughs> is wrong?
1: I wonder. Oh, I should have brought my book. forgot my book. Um,
2: chicken coop is wrong, right?
1: Definitely. Never do a chicken never coop. Never
2: do it. Eh, I mean, that's how we started. We started with the chicken coop. Right
1: now my buddy John's going, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we started with the chicken coop. Uh, we would open the door in the morning, and they would all come out um, go eat their grass and their bugs, whatever they wanted to. They're not fa- fantastic about going back in at night, so we had to teach them a few times yeah, the to meat get birds. them back in. If
1: you think they've been bred from meat birds for, for generation after generation. There's no,
2: like, sur- there's no survival instinct?
1: Yeah. They live inside. They sit at a feeder. They don't have to. They, until recently, probably never got outside, so they don't have much of a... a nesting or
2: yeah, homing, homing
1: way about not,
2: them. Not like a heritage breed. They
1: also are not highly motivated birds to go forage. They don't really know, hey, I should go and check the grass they'll for bugs. do
2: it. So for people who say they, they won't, they do. They'll walk out of the coop, they'll go and they'll sit and peck at the grass a little bit. But they do love their feet.
1: <laughs> You'll notice the Cornish oftentimes will be sitting in the grass, pecking at the grass around them while they're sitting. I think it's kind of comical because you'll see like a heritage breed chicken running through the grass like a velociraptor <laughs> mowing down bugs and things. And the cornish are just kind of like laying on the beach like, oh, let me get a bite of that. <laughs> it
2: looks like you at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> let me get a bite of that. Give
1: me a sip. They will. They will forage though. They do a good on grass. So if you can get them to it, they will get more from the grass, and that's one of the pros of the chicken of a tractor.
2: Coops are okay. Coops yeah. are great. They'll work if that's all you have. Use a coop. It's no big deal.
1: Yeah. So, coop pros of the chicken coop. It's uh, more secure. You can use them all season. So it's good in the summer. It's good in the winter. If you have heritage breed birds, you're gonna pretty much need to have a chicken coop or a barn. Uh, they're longer lasting. Right, You get a, a well-made coop that isn't moving around. It's not jostling around every day. It's not out in the elements.
2: You said you can use it for other things all year round, right? Once your meat birds are done, your egg layers are in there. The chicken coop.
1: Yeah, yeah so if you do have egg layers, you're going to need a coop anyway. So those are the pros of the coop. Cons of a chicken coop,
2: more um, expensive. More expensive, They need they need to be cleaned out. A tractor you can move away from where they were. A chicken coop needs to be cleaned.
1: Right. So if you hate cleaning, this is a thing. I go this back and forth thing. every year. Like, do I want to clean a coop or do I want to move a chicken tractor? I hate.
2: Which do you hate? Because they both require work.
1: They're both work, and we'll get to that when we talk about tractors. But well,
2: what do you hate doing more?
1: This is the. This is how you, I make this decision. What do I hate doing more? Moving or cleaning? I don't like cleaning, so I move. <laughs> um but yeah that's and then if they are in the coop your bigger birds are less likely to actually go and be grass-fed birds so you got to motivate them
2: you can make paddocks for them you can arrange it but yeah a tractor forces them here you are this is the grass eat it
1: although this year so funny i don't know if it was this line or what was wrong with this batch of cornish Every day I moved them onto fresh grass and then I moved them off, and I swear they didn't eat any of that grass.
2: They were huge though when they we were, butchered them. Yeah, they were really nice. And like, so birds. this line was good growing. Very good growing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, chicken tractor pros, uh, it's cheaper. If you're going to build a chicken tractor, generally, now it depends on the kind of tractor you're yeah, building. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be coop. all season. But yeah, generally speaking, a chicken tractor is going to be less money than a coop, especially if you're buying a made coop. Those are a lot more expensive, Uh, lightweight, movable. So for those of you out there who are like, I don't have any land, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but they're movable. You can move them to different places. Or if you're renting a place and you don't want to build a coop that you're never going to – our coop from Connecticut is still in Connecticut.
2: Yeah, we
1: left it. All the things we brought with us. But it was
2: nice, too.
1: Yeah, that it was a nice coop. It was a gift. It was a housewarming gift from your parents. parents. They bought us this beautiful little chicken coop. It was like our welcome to country life for me.
2: <laughs> welcome. Uh, welcome back for You'll you. You'll never leave.
1: <laughs> oh, that's where it ah. all started. I have them to blame. Yes. <laughs> uh, they got this beautiful little coop, but it's still in Connecticut cause you can't move it. Well, you could, but it was...
2: It like, was a lot. I mean, we were lot. moving a lot as it was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, chicken tractors, you're gonna definitely get some grass feeding going on, and then no force cleaning. Them. But the cons, they're not all season. No, you can't have your egg layers in a chicken tractor. No, in ours the have snow. tarps
2: to keep rain off them. It's not to block out snow and wind.
1: Yeah, so that's not gonna work. And uh, there is, I find more maintenance on the chicken tractors kind of needed
2: think of it, it's a structure you're moving every day, so everything's getting jiggled and jostled, screws are coming loose, the door will need to be tightened. I literally
1: had a door fall off this year. I had to put a door back on. I got to replace my tarps because...
2: Somebody didn't take them off.
1: Now, to be fair, Johnny warns you, take your tarps off every year, and I didn't. Now my tarps have holes in them, so... They were not cheap tarps either. I bought good tarps, but they weren't that good. Next time I'm going with metal roofing.
2: (laughs) Speaking of heavy.
1: And then they are... Okay, so the chicken tractor is like more daily labor versus the cleaning of the coop, which is...
2: Maybe once a week Once you have a to week deal. or
1: month, but it's a nightmare. So the chicken tractor, you have to move every day. So do you want to be every day moving and, and then filling the waters and feeders as you move? Or do you want to...
2: Do you want to be outside...
1: There's no right or wrong answer. Often, it will decide on what do you prefer to do for your daily versus weekly versus monthly chores, and also where are you in the scheme of things as far as you know, year long or not.
2: And Guardian Grove mentioned the fertilizer that you you will be doing as your chicken tractoring. Which awesome is a good
1: point. So this is an awesome point. Cleaning out the paddock, or the coop, oftentimes that goes into the compost, which eventually gets used chicken tractor it's right there on the pasture and our pastures are looking nice where we ran the chickens last year yeah yeah they look really really good
2: yeah, so it's choose your breed choose your method of brooding choose your tractor or coop now, there's so many choices when
1: you choose tractors what which kind of, tractor?
2: kind of tractor and
1: there's only one answer to that
2: <laughs> yeah right well
1: right. we like the john chicken tractors and that's not because we haven't tried other ones uh, <laughs> it's not because I haven't made my own, because like Kay says I like to reinvent the wheel.
2: It's not that I liked the ones he invented, <laughs> because I didn't.
1: What if the wheel... Oh man, do you remember... more like a square?
2: How many times? Or a triangle? I would hit my head... Oh ...on man. the one you made how...
1: Uh, it's an A-frame, and you will see a lot of A-frame style chicken tractors. I wasn't the first person to ever think of an A-frame to use for chickens. But I was the first one to make one that you bang your head on every all the time. time, because
2: you see that metal bar that came out on the top of those. So you go in, and then you're backing out, and you stand up, and every yeah. time whacked my she head right on the top. It green. was infuriating. Yeah. So
1: not a great design. The A-frame homesteady chicken tray.
2: Please, tractor. Austin. <laughs> Build one of John's tractors, please, Austin.
1: A-frames are small. They can be um, hard to get in and out of. They're just, they're really hard to get into. Not a lot of space to work in. And that's one of the things I don't like about the A-frames or even like the Salatin-style uh, chicken tractors. The more rectangular...
2: Like lower.
1: Lower ones with the, uh, the lids where you lift the whole entire lid off.
2: Uh, the door also came down, which meant chickens would sit on said door and poop all over it yeah so
1: the door got covered in poop and sometimes when you'd go to close in the chickens they'd be sitting on the door so you had to like start to lift ping. it and they'd slide the lazy <laughs> like corners yeah. not
2: great it's uh, all right it was a good idea it was
1: okay the salatin style or there's another one the peterson style those are more rectangular ones uh generally a salatin style tractor has a hard top A big rectangle with a huge, heavy, hard top, I don't like trying to work with that. It's hard to keep that thing open without it falling down on you or a chicken. Getting access into the big rectangles I find to be hard. Uh, The Peterson-style chicken tractor you may have seen, I've seen it from Farmer Brad's channel. That has a cloth top, I believe, so you can get in and out a little bit easier. Uh, I don't personally, I just, I like the Siskovich style. After years of trying different ideas, uh, there's no perfect design out there. John even says in his book, hey, this is a thing for with ideas for you to take and customize. And there's a million different YouTube videos now of customized Siskovich tractors where people have changed things mm. up. The thing I like about John's is the access.
2: Yes, me too. For, man, it's so nice to be able to walk in there when you need to, which you always will need to. You always will need to. You'll always have a chick somewhere in the corner, a chicken who's sick. You need to pull them out having that access is nice. The first 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 chicken tractor you ever made, do you remember it was
1: Yeah, that long rectangle where you couldn't get into. It was into. like
2: this big. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and there was no access. <laughs> you had to like lift it up and kind of shake the birds down because <laughs> the raccoons could still get into it, of course. Yeah. But the chickens wouldn't go into little coop at night yeah, it, was, it was really bad that's all right i mean that's how you figure out what you like right you gotta yeah. go through some bad designs first i
1: built my own two before finally every year we have a video that's called like the chicken tractor my wife wants <laughs> and it's like not your not her husband's chicken tractor design Easy. it's john's I, I love your chicken tractors
2: <laughs>
1: you like the ones i made recently yeah so those ones. <laughs> if you want to build a Suscovich style tractor uh, our, our ad, our sponsor spot. This is not sponsored by Johnny, but you can click the links below. Uh, we are affiliates of Johnny's chicken tractors. So we do uh, make a little affiliate sale. If you click the links and and build his chicken tractor. And honestly, that's we're affiliates because we use them because we, we really, really do enjoy them. Uh, we like using them. We've changed a little bit our system from what Johnny does. I've used some of the mods I saw. I have automatic closing doors, which is kind of a fancy That's thing. Fancy. Johnny actually gave the idea in his book to do that. He doesn't do it, but he said, I would do this if I were only making a few of them. Mm. So I did that upgrade. So you can upgrade them and change them however you like. But we really do like those chicken tractors. They work really, really good for chicken tractors. So so yeah, click the links below if you want to get some Siskovich chicken tractors. And uh, also... If you're new to this, a lot of the information over the years we've gotten from Johnny's books. He's got the uh, pasture poultry packet that'll help guide you through all these. All the stuff we're saying today, if you forget any of it, it's all in the pasture poultry packet, numbers, temperatures, et cetera. Yeah, so.
2: that's really helpful.
1: Yeah, so. For having
2: all those numbers when you have these. It's such a different bird than if you're raising heritage or you're used to that. So to have those numbers of what the temp should be, when can they go outside, it's very helpful.
1: I think one of the coolest things about the Suskovich Chicken Tractor is its origin story. Uh, The reason John made that style of a chicken tractor, it's lightweight and it's movable. And it's actually designed to fit on a trailer that he owned, but a trailer you could buy or rent from Tractor Supply. So you could move it to a property that you didn't own. Which brings us to a question we get asked all the time, or maybe not a question, an objection
2: Like, I can't raise my own chickens. Must be nice. You guys have the property, but I don't. So I guess I'm out of luck.
1: Yeah, we got a comment. I won't read it because it had a (laughs) naughty word. But the person basically was like, you don't care about poor people because, you know, we don't all have land. And that's why I wanted to play this clip where uh, we interviewed John. When he started his farm, he had zero land. How can you raise your own meat birds? How can you raise anything on land If you don't have any and you don't have a lot of money to get started, let's see what John did. I think it's a great solution for so many people.
4: I knew that I wanted to be in this area of the state. Uh, It was a state I grew up in. I can talk Connecticut. You know, it's my home state. I knew that I wanted to move out of where I grew up, but still be, you know, pretty local. I went on Google Maps and looked for open fields and open fields with houses near them. I printed up a one pager, One it has to be one eight and a half by eleven, and then a business card of here's my model, here's my requirements, here's how it works for you, here's how it works for me, bullet points. Cool. And that can lead back to a URL on your web page, which we have from the bike trip, of explaining it more, doing some videos, whatever you want. Once they're hooked, they're hooked, yeah. but that one pager is your make or break and I would do a, very, a variety of things. I, I drove around and knocked on doors. I left those flyers in people's mailboxes. I knocked on doors if there was somebody I thought was home. Uh, I would drive around where I saw open tracks of land and say, hey, I'm a chicken farmer. All my uh, infrastructure can be mobile. Uh, I would like to operate on your grass, you know, your hay fields here let's have a chat. Cool. And, um, you know, that took a variety from driving around knocking on door to door, something you're you know, familiar uh, yeah. with. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. I went to town tax assessors and planning and zoning and spent some time in the you know, city halls or whatever of the various towns around here. Once I found that tract of land, I would go to city hall, find who owned it what their name was. And I would just, you know, stalk that person and find if they didn't have a number or contact information on record, you Google anybody, you Google Austin and, you know, new Milford and you'll find something somewhere potentially. If not, you just go knock on their door. But I found ways to, um, you know, just contact people and say, Hey, here's my story. This is what I want to do. And because I was so passionate about it, because I was so invested in that, had to have been apparent to who I was talking to, I actually fielded several offers of people wanting to, oh, you can have this field, you can have that field. And I got to choose, based off of proximity and lease situation, where I wanted to operate the farm in the beginning. Not necessarily where I knew it was going to end up long term, but because from the beginning I structured myself to be mobile, you know, these chicken tractors are built to sit on a trailer and drive across town if need be. Um, I knew that I could get started in one place, and if I needed to, move to another. Awesome. But it just came down to beating the pavement, spending long hours, putting some gas money in, blew a couple of hoses in my old car. You know, <laughs> I got good at mechanics that year because that old terrible car just
1: kept breaking. But I think you make the day it work. I met you. You were at Tractor Supply getting something for your broken car. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. That's, ex- that's like exactly how I met John. He was at Tractor Supply that's right. trying to fix his car. <laughs> oh, is that why he
2: was there? I, yeah. like, I like John's story because that shows just motivation. Yes. He's he gumption. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, going to do it. It didn't matter that he lived in an apartment in the middle of town. He was going to do this, and he succeeded at it. He oh, became, yeah. th- in, in that town and surrounding ones, the chicken guy. At, at the farmer's market, selling beautiful birds. I
1: literally heard rumors about him before I met him. I People were like, have you heard about that chicken guy? <laughs> and from other farmers, he was kind of looked at as crazy. They would say to me, like, have you heard about that chicken guy? Yeah, he's like trying to sell a bunch of organic chickens that he doesn't, you know, on these movable chicken coops. It was like crazy. Who did you hear
2: about him from? Dan. Uh, a farmer like... Very had a farm, family farmer. Yeah. Very traditional. Yeah. Who actually ended up going the organic, um, CSA yeah. route later anyways, yeah. because let's face it, that's it can make that's, a living easier. Yes, uh, easier how but. our small scale agriculture, how it's, it's blossoming today.
1: If you um, want to see that whole clip. If you want to see the whole video that I did with Johnny, it's in the pioneer library. So if you want to become a homesteading pioneer, it's a one hour long interview with Johnny link below, uh, we have a couple interviews with Johnny in the Pioneer Library, really really helpful.
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24/7 Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
2: Now, if I'm right, John butchered his own chickens.
1: In the beginning, yes.
2: And so did we.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) So, butchering chickens.
1: Now, you don't have to do this. We got a couple questions from people like, or comments even, you know, I, I don't know if I could actually bring myself to do this. You don't have to.
2: And I thought this person's question was interesting if I can't butcher it myself, does that mean I shouldn't be eating chicken? I feel like that's a personal question. For me, I don't feel like I have to kill something in order to eat it. My chickens, I take care of every day. Austin actually ends up killing them. I don't kill them. But you know, I still eat them.
1: I feel like it's, if you're going to be a meat eater, <laughs> I feel like it's not a bad one-time experience to... Uh, you know, make sure that, it, so, so that you understand the amount of work involved.
2: In in the butchering, because I feel like you can be there for the raising of them and still okay, so, understand yeah. the work and the care that goes into them and still have, I don't think you have to actually be the hands-on person killing them
1: i I definitely don't think you have to i i feel like everyone should butcher one chicken because it would change their i feel like every meat eater should butcher one chicken and it would change their it would change a lot i know it did for me because i didn't grow up doing this just do one like i made my mom do it one time
2: (laughs) i i don't think
1: she did it but she didn't she didn't do it she wasn't able to do it so but that doesn't don't make you, like, less... Like, uh, don't feel yeah. like
2: you have to listen to Austin. You
1: don't, don't have to listen feel <laughs> to me. Like,
2: no, I'm not going to get I love that birds. she's on
1: this show is, like, we don't always agree about stuff. And I, I, I think you should do one.
2: I don't but, think you have to.
1: I, you definitely don't have
2: to. There are, uh, for, for in our area, local, local farmers who have pluckers and scalders and who will process your birds. That's what my parents did while I lived here. They never butchered their own because my mom did it growing up and she hated it. But they liked the product. She right. hated the smell of feathers and burning and butchering so she took them to a local place who would butcher her birds I think that's totally fine so if you want to do meat birds you don't want to butcher them your first year or second
1: or ever or ever
2: you know get your ducks in a row and chickens in a row (laughs) before you get them (laughs) so you know where you can take them to have them butchered and do it Or you are (laughs) determined to butcher (laughs) them yourselves.
1: And that's where we decided uh, we were going to raise our own and butcher our own. In the beginning, it was to save money. We thought, oh, we can save some doing it ourselves. And in the long run, you can. You don't need a fancy, fancy setup. Uh, Basically, you have to go through the process that you're about to see. We're going to share an Instagram story from our butcher day. This shows our current process. Then we're going to share with you. We're going to go back in time and you're gonna love to see where we started with this. So let's see the Instagram story, the process of our last killing day, our last butcher day, but then we'll go back in time and see how simple it can be. Let's spin the wheel of death here, and meanwhile, ask you all, what would you like to know about chicken butcher day? and maybe I'll spin with some Jeopardy music. Do, 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 fill in this box and we will answer your questions today while we butcher chickens. The first step of the day is to fill up our scalding tank. Our scalding tank was made by my father-in-law. He's a fabricator and he did an awesome job. And uh, it is set to the right temperature and it'll keep the water at the right temperature. We're filling the scalding tank with hot water that gives us a jump start on the day. So uh, once that water is up to the right temperature, we'll be ready to start scalding and then we can work down the line. While I'm waiting for that to fill, I can take the gator and drive up to the chicken tractors and I can get my first batch of chickens and then I put the crates on the uh, horses and that way the gator is empty to run up and get more of them. And then the whole process begins. All right, the first step here is the kill. We have the chicken in the killing cone. We're gonna just put a good sharp knife to its neck. We're gonna cut its neck and let it bleed out. One good cut like that. The killing cone will hold the chicken secure, keeping the meat from being damaged. Uh, Chickens have a tendency to run around like a chicken with its head cut off during the dying process, uh, so that can damage the meat and just cause a little bit of chaos on a butcher day. So this just keeps things controlled and it allows me to go on to the next bird uh, while I'm waiting for this one to bleed out. With this killing cone uh, stand here, I can do a bunch of birds at once, start a batch and then continue down the line. Let's go on to the next step. Now what I do is I just take some water and I uh, brush and I scrub the chicken off because I want to make sure that in our scalder we have as little nasty chicken poo and dirt as possible. Uh, so this is like pre-cleaning before it goes into the scalder. Just a couple of scrapes with a stiff brush gets a lot of the poop off of the chicken. And then we come up here and we actually put the chicken in the stirrups of the scalder. And when we scald, we like to scald three birds at a time, so now I'm going to add three We're two more birds to this, and then we'll move on to the next step, which is scalding. All right, now we're gonna scald these birds. This scalder keeps the water at a uh, steady 145 to 150 degrees. Uh, It has an automatic, like a thermostat in it. We'll turn it on and off the burner to keep the water at that temperature. And what I'm checking for I dunk the birds and I agitate their feathers, ruffle the feathers so that we get the hot water all over the skin. And then each time I'm pulling on the the wing feathers, they're the hardest to come out. When the wing feathers start coming out nice and easily like this, I know that I have a pretty good scald. And at that point we can take them on to the next step, which is the flucker. This next step is the most like Huge change from when we used to do this at a small scale back at our homestead in Connecticut. The automatic plucker. This thing is literally life-changing as a homesteader. Uh, The way you can so quickly take your birds and watch it how quickly these feathers are removed. I find doing three at once is a good number. You can even do four, but sometimes with four, you'll get like a broken leg. So three is just enough where they kind of bounce each other around, you get all the feathers taken off. Now it is time to eviscerate the chicken. I'm not gonna do a super detailed version of this. If you wanna see that, go look at our YouTube video. But basically here at the evisceration station, we're pulling all the guts out of the chicken. Uh, We're making sure as we pull the guts out, we're trying not to pop anything.
2: We don't want
1: the chicken to uh, get poop everywhere. We're going to reach in and pull all that stuff out. I like using a pair of shears too. I can use shears to cut the head right off real easy. kind of speeds up the process. Reach in and pull everything out. Then we're going to cut the legs off, cut the wings off, and the chicken will be ready for packaging, which we will show in the next step three things we like to take out of the inside to save we love eating chicken hearts they're delicious we love eating chicken gizzards they're delicious we personally are not huge fans of chicken liver but we save them for animal food and other things packaging my daughter is our packaging specialist she does all the packaging for all our butcher days no matter what the animal and this is her method for packaging our chickens We put them in shrink wrap bags, poultry shrink wrap bags. And we actually just timed this whole entire process because we're gonna talk about it at our next podcast. We wanted to know how long each step takes. And my daughter gets her packaging done in about a minute and a half. So pretty impressive stuff. And there is a perfectly packaged shrink wrapped chicken. Looks like what you'd buy at the supermarket tastes better.
2: I feel like top three most incredible occasions in your life, Austin, if they're like the top three most wonderful things that have happened to you, it would go chicken plucker, marriage, and children. <laughs> I feel like chicken plucker would be number one in the best things to happen to you.
1: No comment. This stays that on the internet.
2: Maybe one of those things that you should at least, if you're butchering your own chickens, maybe for your first year, don't invest in a chicken plucker.
1: That's a great tip. Don't get the plucker the first year. You can totally hand pluck. We used yes, to do that. Yes, if this. you only
2: have your 10 birds.
1: Yeah, when it comes to chicken butchering, we used to have a very, very simple setup. We have a little bit of footage we're gonna share from ye old days. Mm-hmm. I am more baby faced. I don't have a mustache, so bear with us. Uh, but back then, we used to ha- have this very, very basic setup. Uh, basically, we had a table we had one we killing We had our cone.
2: cones, and we actually tried to use a traffic cone that year, remember? Yeah, we did the we plastic
1: did, traffic cone. We used use a
2: traffic cone. It did not work well. No. Nailed to a tree yep. with a board across it. Yep. And we just plucked by. We had a like a camp stove. We put our pot of water on, a, a ball canning pot, one of those big black ones, that we just dunked the chickens in, and that's what we did.
1: Yeah. And... Uh, for When it came to plucking time, we just had a, a pot on a camp stove, and that's where it all started. We'd scald the chickens in the pot, and then we hand-plucked for a few years. Uh, the, the clip that we we're going to play over on YouTube of me hand-plucking is really funny because I look so angry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably were. Because
1: I was hand-plucking chickens, and if there's something that might make you angry, there <laughs> Oh,
2: and zip ties around the legs.
1: Yeah, we would zip tie. Zip
2: tie the legs.
1: And put it on a nail. And, uh, yeah, it was it was not fun. But you can totally do it. So you don't have to have like a super...
2: No, nothing fancy. Fancy
1: setup. You don't have to have a, a, a big plucking machine. You don't have to have a fancy scalder. I think the thing to do when you're going to raise your own meat birds and you're going to, you know, meat uh, butcher them is start off simple with 10 chickens. Do it Hand pluck. Get that experience. Get that because you won't really appreciate how life-changing a a plucking machine is until you (laughs) spend a couple years hand plucking. It also
2: helps you get a feel for when too pluck okay that was too much hot water on a smaller scale with smaller equipment before you invest because maybe you hate doing it yourself and you'd rather take them and get someone to do them for you yeah then don't invest in the equi- equipment before you know that. if you don't
1: like the smell of burning feathers that's not going to change so not that most people like the smell but if you can't <sighs> stand the smell of burning feathers that's not going to change so yeah get the experience on 10 birds start small uh you saw on in our instagram story we upgraded you're watching on YouTube now. After we got tired of hand plucking, we got a piece of equipment called the power plucker. (laughs) And if you're watching this on Instagram, go check out the YouTube channel later. It's basically a drill bit.
2: With rubber fingers.
1: That you run and... With a drill. You work the chicken like you would a, a piece of wood on like a belt sander or something.
2: So it's like the bigger pluckers, those fingers, those rubber fingers, but on a drill bit. So you hold the bird, somebody else runs the drill it's it the job it, done it's
1: very affordable yeah it's super affordable and you get a better quality pluck on your chicken it doesn't speed the process up much
2: no
1: uh, other than it getting like you know those hard to get feathers that is sped up so it does it does speed up but not like a, a plucking machine it
2: does. does take two people unless you can rig your chicken up Yeah. That you don't have to hold it.
1: Yeah. So now we got a ton of questions, and we aren't going to be able to get to all the questions today because like we said at the beginning of the show, we actually have chicks at the post office right now, and every minute we're not there is they need us.
2: First of all, Amanda and her son did 70 chickens this year, hand plucking. She said they'll be investing in a chicken plucker this year. Good, because 70 70 by hand is – your hands were probably – killing you. My son and I did the gutting this year and our daughter does the packaging. So all day they work with us and do a phenomenal job. They do fantastic.
1: Yeah, you saw them in our Instagram story. They are all stars of the process. Me and them alone did last year 30 birds. Yeah, in a day. And all of us this year with the current setup, we did 55 fish. Yeah, And it didn't take all day. No, it was great. Yeah, we could have taken care of more.
2: I... It's nice to get your crew. So do you have your family? Do you have kids, relatives who would do maybe grow their own batch of cornish and then come to your house and butcher them together? That's always a nice option.
1: Yeah, definitely. Have
2: your crew so it can go a little faster. I like doing the gutting. Austin does the killing, and he leaves them in the cone until they stop moving. Yeah, that was and a good can, question we yeah. were asked. How oh. long
1: do you leave them in the cone Uh, Basically the reason we use a lot of people like to just chop the chicken's head clean off clink Know that it's over with we prefer to put them in the killing cone do a slit and let them bleed out thoroughly that way our Setup allows for eight birds So in the time it takes to do eight you get back to the first bird. It's had plenty of time to bleed out thoroughly uh, lose all consciousness and basically, That's you're looking. Dead. Yeah, well, it's dead, not just
2: lost. It's like dead. It's not just unconscious.
1: <laughs> they're dead. i not dead yet.
2: <laughs> no, they're dead. The. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through the plugard. We just lost consciousness. Oh, you
1: joke, but we've had those duck zombie duck. That was another story for.
2: Yeah, ducks are different.
1: Ducks are harder to make sure they're dead, but chickens. Basically, you leave them in the cone. They'll go through a, a shake as they die their body starts to convulse a little bit and you're watching for those last bit of shakes
2: yeah those death
1: and then spasms. we call them the death throes and when they those stop at that point the animal goes still and at that point yeah, you know yeah it's limp you're good.
2: you know it's dead
1: so we leave them in there uh, until that point uh, so that was a good question and then on to scalding somebody asked what temperature do we scald at our scalder has a thermostat this was a really fancy thing her dad built for us. This was awesome. He built a custom-made scalder. But you first can,
2: year for us. Yeah. Well, last year was last first year, year using in,
1: it. In a decade. Again, you're seeing what has we've built up in a decade of doing this. We did not start with this fancy equipment. Like you saw, we started with a pot on a camp and stove. And probably
2: a candy thermometer. And a
1: candy thermometer. But now we have a, a thermostat-run scalder, and it keeps the temperature 45 to 50 degrees. Uh, 100, sorry 45. <laughs> 145 to 150 degrees and that's kind of the sweet spot for scalding uh, once you get a you will learn really really early on your your plucking and butchering days a good scald is everything for plucking if you don't have a good scald Your plucking is going to be a lot harder. It's going to take more time. So make sure you get the right temperature. And when you're scalding, you sauce, we dip it and then bring it up, dip it and bring it up. We're agitating the feathers. The reason we dip it and bring it up is you're not cooking the bird. You don't want it in that hot water too long. You're just dipping it and bringing it up. We got asked on Instagram about temperature for ducks. Ducks are a whole nother thing. Ducks are so different. We cannot even talk about. And it's wax. Yeah, for one, I don't remember. Otherwise, I would answer your question just to be nice. But wax helpful. was important with ducks. Ducks are a different game, whole different thing. So
2: So maybe someone in the comments could recommend. Or uh, go to, what was that one you followed? The Duck Channel. Does... um.
1: Hank Shaw covers. Hank Shaw? Yeah, Hank Shaw covers uh, plucking ducks. And
2: uh, Farmer Brad asked about putting a rubber bungee cord over the killing cone to keep the floppers from flying out.
1: Great. It's yeah. a good
2: idea. Actually, what Austin had to do this year, because we had seven and eight-pound birds, was kind of retrofit. He cut off some of the killing cones so uh, the chicken could big. go down yeah. into it better. But, the yeah, the bungee cord's a great idea.
1: Um, once you bleed out the bird, what do we do with it? A lot of people want to know. The thing we have, it catches all that blood, and uh, you can dump mm-hmm. that into your compost pile. Uh, blood meal is something that is uh, in a lot of... Um,
2: it's a... It's like a big bathtub of blood. It's yeah. gross. So for
1: us, it just goes back to the soil. That's what we do with there that. are.
2: If yeah. you watch the, the video of what we did this year, there are some things that like we have a laundry basket that the feathers from the plucker fall into a broken laundry basket. A lot of our like broken containers get recycled into chicken butcher. Yes. Yeah. Day. yeah. So you don't need fancy stuff.
1: No, we still have on the line. I mean, we have nice fancy stuff that we've been able to get over the years. Some
2: things that are really important. Don't skimp on are sharp knives. Chicken feathers, oh, you'll yeah. be shocked at how hard it is to cut through them. So if you watch when Austin cuts them, he kind of folds the feathers back down. So he's right against the skin and not cutting through feathers. Right,
1: and that'll dull your knife quick. Great tip there. We like, I like to use Victor, Victorian ox. Victor Knox, Victoria Knox, uh, their knives, multiple butchers I've worked with have suggested them. They're not too expensive. They're not the cheapest knife out there, but they're not expensive. They keep a good edge. They're easy to maintain. And if you're on my email list, when I see them go on sale, cause I all the time am buying their knives for butchering from everything from a chicken to a cow. Um, if you're on my email list, if I see them on sale on Amazon, I send a link out So you can get them through Amazon if you use amsteady.com. That helps our show. Uh, But I'll send a link if they're on sale. A lot of times on uh, the sale days on Amazon, they they go real, real cheap.
2: Shears are really nice for legs. Somebody asked if we keep the birds whole or if we'll parts them. There have been years where we've done a lot of partsing, so we'll get a lot of chicken breasts from it, chicken thighs, and legs I'll put in a package. This year I did them whole because... I like I like that. I like using the whole bird, making stock at the same time that I'm making breasts. I do, what we do is to take out the wings. I take off the wings on most of the birds.
1: This is a pro tip. <laughs> I, this is, I think, the tip of the show. For those of you who've done this for years and you're just watching for purely entertainment purposes. Mm, fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> uh, but this is a pro tip. I love this tip.
2: Ahead, <laughs> I love when you share. do that.
1: Read, like, so what I was saying was, all. I wanted them to really. I
2: the one thing I'll take off of the chicken is the wings. I'll take those off every time because if I'm making a whole bird, the wings are something that kind of get wasted most of the time. If I'm making a roasted bird, the wings get tough. Maybe you like that. I don't. I'll wing everything, and unless they're birds, I'm giving away. I'll keep some whole. But for our family, I'll wing everything and put them in Ziploc bags and freeze them.
1: We love wing night. It's at a perfect our house.
2: size for us. Pull out a couple of Ziplocs. That's a wing night for us. And and the wings don't get wasted. Yeah. So I and this year I even I cut the wings up. I got rid of the tips. I use that for animal food, and I have these great little bags of wings yeah. in the freezer.
1: And our roaster birds look real goofy. Well, yeah, because
2: nothing has wings. Because they just a
1: big, big, like chest and legs and nothing. And then we keep the neck on, so you get that long neck. So they look like a chicken snake or
2: something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nightmares tonight chicken snake. (laughs) Sit on that one.
2: (laughs) Worse, he forgot one bird. We started to clean. We emptied out the scalder. Our thumbnail on YouTube.
1: Our thumbnail on YouTube. Look at that thumbnail and listen to Kay's story.
2: So we were we were cleaning. We're done. There was no more water in the scalder. And he was, I don't know, going to clean out the cones, the killing cones. He I was spinning realized it. he left one chicken in the cones, so we had one chicken left to do. Uh, and
1: I was not going to pluck it. So we
2: no, we he just skinned it. Yeah. And that our daughter kept calling your what did you call it? My
1: shame. Your shame. <laughs> Is that what it was?
2: Because a skinned chicken, awful looking, yeah, and one of those sealed thing. bags. Yeah. Ooh.
1: No, it's not not pretty.
2: Not pretty. That's the thing. You're going to make mistakes on your birds, like I do with all of those heritage roosters, cut everything, have water running nearby and hose it off.
1: Yeah, that's a great kind of concluding thing to remind everybody. You get to watch here 10 years of doing this. From the most bootleg of setups, where it was literally... We had
2: a friend come and teach us.
1: Yeah, we have a friend who... uh, Who
2: she had butchered chickens before, and we had never never butchered them. And
1: I remember that day, it was like, I was super nervous. I had never butchered anything uh, that I had raised. Yeah,
2: up close like
1: that. Yeah, I'd been a hunter, but it was a total new experience to do your own. And for those of you who are trying it, we've got comments, people saying, this is my first year doing it, I've been watching you a while, I'm excited to try it. Uh, you know, that first butcher day, I actually have a video you should watch. It's about your first butcher day and, like, the nerves and the feelings and that sort of thing. Uh, we can link to that later. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a whole new experience. It will be life-changing. Honestly, butchering your own a- animals that you've raised, will. that's why I think everyone should do it once if you're a meat eater. If you're not, you're, if you're a vegan, all, by all means, you don't need to. But if you eat meat, I feel like it will change your life. You'll have a huge respect. You will waste less you will want better for the animal. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good experience to, to grow your own meat, to butcher your own meat, to to start it in the field and finish mm. it on the well, table yeah, for your to family. Well, yeah, to
2: start start pack, you know, unpacking that box and those little chicks. That is one nice thing about Cornish is they've got a lifespan. So, you They're know, a ticking time bomb. Eight weeks. We have to butcher these birds. There's no, they they can live longer. So there have been ones who've been known to lay eggs live a couple years but for the most part they are a a bird that needs to be butchered they can't get too attached people are asking about pluckers if you're ready to invest
1: uh yeah my thought on the plucker i don't want to diss anything we haven't tried but what i will say is quality uh, this is a machine that you're going to get you're going to ask a lot from and it's one of those things where we decided personally to go with you know the quality
2: Yeah, you're gonna and look at the work it goes through. Those are eight pound birds before they're gutted.
1: Yeah, tossing three of those
2: around. There's a lot of motion,
1: power. So you know, do your research, look at reviews, make sure what you're what you're getting is actually going to be good, good quality. Because if you do make that investment, it can be a big investment. Oh, it'll
2: uh, save you so much time.
1: It's it. You heard me on an Instagram clip that I shared. Like it literally. It has made me look forward to Chicken Butcher Day instead of like, oh no, it's Chicken Butcher Day. Now it's like, yay! Okay,
2: other side, right? We're talking about plucking things. Wendy, I have to answer Wendy's question because she's been very patient. Yes. Talking about rabbits. And I know Mm -hmm. other people said it's harder for them to butcher rabbits. But you don't have to pluck a rabbit. I found the butchering process of rabbits much easier. Even the killing part was... I'm not best friends with rabbits. They're kind of jerks most of the time. You know, these aren't pet rabbits. They're like, and we do have a friend with a pet rabbit who's like litter box trained and everything. So that's a different thing. But these were farm rabbits who you would grab them and they'd kick you and scratch you. Oh, yeah. They open you up. Yeah, and you don't need to pluck a rabbit, which is why a lot of people do like raising rabbits.
1: Now, we were asked on uh, Instagram Lance Steele wanted to know do we find it easier to butcher a bat of but butcher a batch of meat chickens or process one large animal. So in all our years, we've butchered all, all the meat now that we eat, we butcher ourselves. Rabbits, chickens, chickens, large animals, large, you know, like, you know, sheep, cow. pigs, cows. Um, Goats. I think for us, with rabbits, we didn't like it. Some people like with rabbits where it's just grab your dinner for the night, like grab one rabbit, boom, and take care of it. And we talked about
2: to Monique, who, like that's what she wants to do. She just wants to get her chicken for the week and butcher it. That's yeah. what she wants to do.
1: Yeah. So if that's you, that's good. We like to do on uh, chicken butcher day, the big batch. We because like we to do. Because we can. A hundred, We've got storage
2: for it. We freeze them all. We
1: were asked about our storage. We have deep freezers. Chest freezers. And they are. We have one. It's like we call it the coffin.
2: Austin because calls it the it coffin. Could, I
1: call it the coffin because it could fit. Lots of dead things or one long, dead, human-sized thing.
2: <laughs> so if I go missing, no. <laughs> you know where to look for me.
1: That would be the worst place to hide. Anyways.
2: <laughs> hide me under that cowhide.
1: In the coffin, you will find l- literally hundreds of whole chickens. Uh, somebody asked, do we freeze them whole or do we part them?" Generally, we keep them whole. Mm-hmm. If there's something wrong with a bird, we'll take the time to parts it and cut out what's wrong. Um, but we liked one big chicken butcher day, one big chicken butcher day versus a whole large
2: animal. Animal. It's such a different thing. Uh, emotionally, it's harder to kill the large animal.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Even the sheep, I feel like it just.
1: Yeah, it's more work. The chicken. I think of all your butcher days, chicken butcher day. This is why we really suggest, if you're thinking about doing your own meat, thinking about starting to raise, getting to the point where we are now, years later, where we don't buy meat. We are able, we're very, very fortunate to be in a place in life we've worked hard to get here where we can raise or hunt all our own meat. We don't need to buy any of it. If you're gonna start down this path, this is where we started. We started with 10 Cornish crosses, out of a little busted, broken-down chicken coop in Connecticut. had a friend show us the ways. Show us the ways. I still have the photo from that first meal. I have a big old beer and a big roasted chicken with some greens that we grew, and it felt so good. You will feel so proud having raised, processed, pastured a plate, something for your family.
2: So listen, you have to apologize to Guardian Grove. Uh Uh-oh. Because they started with rabbits because of us. Uh-oh. And n- they took that and ran with it hard, they said. And there's a lot of and them. And there's yet. a lot of them. That's rabbits. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you saw what happened here. You were thoroughly bored.
2: <laughs> well, unless they started just after we did.
1: Just after. They're, they.
2: Rabbits are a different thing. Rabbits I are feel a different like. thing. Yes. And rabbit tractoring is very different than chicken tractoring. So...
1: We could do a whole entire podcast on rabbits now. Yeah. And we can invite Guardian yeah. Grove on We too.
2: What made us decide between rabbits and chickens, because rabbits are easier to butcher, the butcher days are shorter, is just taste. We prefer the taste of chicken over rabbit. Yeah. When you have to co- just cook with salt, which is what, where we're at with our youngest right now and his allergies, the chicken ends up tasting better to me than just a rabbit. Yeah. Yep. so uh, chicken one and rabbits
1: or Literally. actually not because no you're right no we did butcher them all we butchered them that's all that's how it ended yeah. and that's how we'll end this episode thank so. you
2: for the super chat I think that's oh, what that is
1: yes that's what that is keep up the good work I'm a YouTuber and we'll be starting our homestead love y'all dynamic Mr. Coppaball looks like a pitbull
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Thank you for that super chat.
2: Thank you. Thank we really you. appreciate
1: it. The Super Chats <laughs> get split with the kiddos, so they're celebrating. They're the ones running the show. Thank yes. you, guys. You're doing. A, they did a great job today. They shared a lot, of, a lot of video clips and a lot of stuff.
2: Thank you to our mods. I know Karen was course. here. And I think Farmer Brad
1: was on. Yep, Farmer Brad. Go check out Farmer Brad's channel. Anybody else, we don't mind. Plug away if you got a YouTube channel. Instagram, thanks for joining us. Thanks for waving to us. We saw some good old friends from Connecticut in there and He's some okay. others. Uh, Bethany was watching. She was waving. So uh, thank you all for watching the show, for watching live, whether it was Instagram or YouTube, commenting, being a part. We're, I, this has become a highlight to the week, the live recording of the podcast. Uh, this this was the highlight of the day. So, And now we're going to have a great afternoon. we got to gonna...
2: pick up chicks. Somebody's cool. getting chicks today. Yeah. I'm very excited, too. Yep.
1: So we'll see you all next week. How do you end an Instagram <laughs> I Live know. thing?
2: <laughs> we don't do this much. The
1: secrets of Instagram Live. Maybe X. Maybe X. Hey, Kimmy just joined. We can't, we can't shut down. Hi, Kimmy.